In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The race for City Hall is officially in a runoff. And folks, that means we have a whole new election. Welcome to this special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. I'm Greg Bluestein, one of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm joined today by our two City Hall reporters, Will Nobles and J.D. Capilouto, who have shadowed these candidates all campaign to bring you the most accurate and in-depth journalism you can come to expect from the AJC. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Hey, what's up? Hello. Good morning. Well, well but look, both these campaigns use public events on Monday to tout their endorsements and try to reset the race. We certainly are going into this with a lot of momentum, and we haven't stopped. We're going to keep it going. We told you in our Race for City Hall newsletter on AJC.com that frontrunner Felicia Moore has the backing of more than a dozen notable politicians including a half dozen legislators and Savannah Mayor Van Johnson. And so my message is going to be on day one ready. And I'm going to talk about the things that are different and my breadth of experience that my opponent, frankly, does not have. Well, I was with Felicia Moore on election night. She is confident. She is ready. She knew there was going to be a runoff. She wasn't quite sure who her opponent would be, right? Um, Andre Dickens is, is her opponent, and she has a whole different challenge than she would if she was facing Kasim Reed. Yeah, and you know, uh, they had their first um, forum last night after uh, last week's general election, and um, it was interesting. There were there was there wasn't any real antagonism, right? I mean, obviously they both work on council. Um, they've known each other for a long time, not as long as as, as uh, you know, uh, uh, Madam President has known the former mayor. But all in all, yeah, I mean, it's, this really is a different race. Um, I think the only real kind of uh, <laughs> conflict, if you could call it that, that occurred uh, Monday night. Uh, she, uh, Councilman Andre Dickens brought up the fact that he was the only candidate who ever released his taxes, and he asked everyone else to do so, like, what, back in September, J.D.? So other than that, I mean, it wasn't like a, I don't know. They're, they're, it seems like it's going to be a pretty uh, uh, cordial race. We'll see about that. I mean, these things can change. And, and, and J.D., I know it's a different dynamic it was not the anyone but Kasim, you know, sort of coalition that we would have seen rally around Felicia Moore. Um, but, you know, I can see it might not even be the candidates themselves. It could be behind the scenes um, where they kind of try to jab at each other's weaknesses. And, and, if, and if you're Felicia Moore's camp, what would be your, your biggest concern about her, her vulnerabilities here going into the runoff? Right. If, if I were Felicia Moore's camp, I would be concerned about voters who voted for her in the general election because they, they saw her as the best opponent for Reed and they were an anybody but Reed voter. And now that they have this choice between Felicia Moore and Andre Dickens, they might go 
uh, toward Andre Dickens. Mm-hmm. So I, if I, I would be most worried about, you know, keeping that 41% that you got and then building on that with that additional 10% by picking up um, some, some Sharon Kay voters or some Kasim Reed voters, um, but especially not making sure you don't lose any uh, voters to Andre Dickens in the runoff. And, and yeah, I agree what you said about the behind the scenes stuff. You know, there's still packs in this race, um, some, you know, dark money, which we, we heard a little bit about in the general election. So we'll have to see w- what factor they play in this and whether that, you know, contributes to any of any negativity or anything like that. But for now, yeah, it's definitely staying cordial above the surface. Well, some of the behind the scenes we're already seeing too is, is it the geographic split. It's um, the fact that that Felicia Moore dominated across northern Atlanta, across Buckhead, um, across some of the more affluent precincts in Atlanta, whereas Andre Dickens did really well in central and south Atlanta. But you're already seeing some of Dickens' supporters saying, hey, don't vote against the, the candidate who, who the Buckhead crowd likes because of the divisive debate over Buckhead City Coalition and the fact that so many people in that neighborhood support Felicia Moore doesn't mean that she that she supports splitting the city in two, of course. Um, but you're already seeing that sort of brand on Felicia Moore, who, of course, is, is not really a Buckhead lady. <laughs> she, she, she represented a, a Western Northwest district in Atlanta for, for years. A hundred percent. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look for my notes right now from last night's forum because that conversation came up where, you know, folks were looking at, I guess there's a map out there with like a blue overlay of like who received votes where. And, you know, uh, Andre uh, last night, he was telling folks, hey, that map tells a good, a good story, but it's not the whole story. And, you know, basically just trying to explain that he has support citywide. And Moore did something similar. Right. She she. Kind of going to your point, she said, hey, uh, let's not focus on all these divides. That's what we're trying to stop right now, uh, especially right with, with Buckhead happening. So, um, but yeah, clearly they have their base in certain areas. And, and you know, when I talked to um, Felicia Moore last Friday or yeah, last Friday, you know, she told me that her campaign is working on their weak points and strengthening, uh, looking at where they can improve their, their outreach to different voters. And correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but I believe last night while they were talking about the maps and kind of that narrative, which was honestly a very frank conversation for a public forum, but was really interesting. I think Felicia Moore said something like, yeah, you look at the areas where I got, you know, might have finished in first. She was like, there's a lot of black people in those areas, too. Like Atlanta's not as homogenous as, as we might think just looking mm-hmm. at the map. And and so I think, you know, you're, you're seeing them push back at those narratives a little bit, but they could definitely persist as we get further into this runoff. Yeah, there's definitely a sharp north-south um, divide there. But you're right. I mean, there's areas of North Atlanta that are that are much um, much more diverse than you'd think. And then there's areas in south, south and central Atlanta that are much more diverse. And look, I mean, you've heard from Councilman Andre Dickens. He says he plans to spend most of his runoff talking about himself and not his opponent. What I'm going to demonstrate is that there's a leader that's ready to look at these issues with you and provide solutions. So, um... I, that's what I'm going to be talking about, and that's going to be the tone and tenor of the next three weeks. His list of endorsements is also long and includes maybe foremost former Mayor Shirley Franklin. These individuals behind me today, they put their support with me because they know I have the breadth of experience. J.D., it's hard to sort of analyze how important endorsements are in races because we've seen, you know, big name endorsements kind of fall flat. We've seen other times it can help elevate a candidate. In this case, you know, it... it there seems to be a decent split among high-profile Atlantans backing both candidates. I guess one of the big questions is, 
who Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms backs and whether or not um, Andrew Young, former Mayor Andrew Young and former Mayor Kasim Reed, who finished in third, um, ends up backing any of these two candidates. Absolutely. And I think the you know, you speak about how important endorsements are. I think the Shirley Franklin endorsement was very important for Andre Dickens in the general. And I'm very curious to see where Andrew Young goes in, in the runoff. Um, one thing that was interesting to me about the endorsements that Andre Dickens announced yesterday is it includes a lot of people who backed Reed in the general election. Mm-hmm. They're now going to Dickens. So you had uh, Councilwoman Carla Smith, um, State Representative Stacey Evans, uh, some Fulton County commissioners that that all stood with Reed just last week or the week before, uh, you know, backing him, and and so now they're going to Dickens. So, um, if I had to guess, that would make me think that that Andy Young, if he does step into this race, would go to Dickens. But you never know. Um, several people I've talked to predict that Keisha Lance Bottoms will will support Andre Dickens. Um, but again, it's politics. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and Stacey Evans was the gubernatorial um, candidate back in 2018 uh, who used to live in Smyrna and is now representing an Atlanta-based district, and she's very close with Keisha Lance Bottom. So, you know, read the tea leaves how you might, might, might want to. But Will, Kasim Reed is the other big question. Uh, he, after we taped our podcast last week, he did formally concede the race and issued a statement calling for unity, um, did not say much about his next political step, who knows um, whether or not he will take another shot at running for political office. But his more pressing question is, yeah, wh- where does he go with this race? Because we saw him brutally jab at both Felicia Moore and Andre Dickens, although it seemed like he reserved some of his harshest words for Andre Dickens. Yeah. I mean, he called this dude Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Reed was going in on Dickens so many times. And I, I shouldn't laugh, right? I got to be professional. But, man, they made memes of his, like, takedowns against yeah. Andre. It was, it was oh, there were some funny moments between the two of them, right? But, yeah, I mean, to y'all's point, I don't know if we're going to see, like, Ambassador Young step in this time around. I mean, he was very adamant about his pick for um, Reed. Uh, I mean, very adamant. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I do think some of these people – be it former mayors or former candidates will step in uh, to support different people. I just don't know when it's going to happen. It could be any moment now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, some, some of these people probably just won't speak up anymore. I mean, you know, we got one guy right now who was a candidate. He's like in a whole nother part of the world. Uh, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> and you're talking about councilman Antonio Brown, yeah. who is in where like uh, Europe, he's in, was it the Netherlands? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> So he's enjoying. He's vibing. Yeah. He's, he is vibing. He is vibing. He's enjoying uh, all the delights of Amsterdam. It, that would have given you a window about if he had if he had won and he wasn't even close to to reaching the runoff. But had, had he won, he would have been a very progressive mayor in the city of Atlanta. It would have been an interesting four years, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Um, and JD, that also begs the question: um, Do either of these candidates want? Kasim Reed's endorsement, right? Because of because of the the brand that goes with it. You know, you can imagine if Kasim Reed endorsed either one of the candidates, the other opponent would say, "Oh, he's just you know, he's just going to be a Kasim Reed lackey." Mm-hmm. Like like just how um, Keisha Lance Bottoms was painted by her opponents in 2017 after Kasim Reed endorsed her. Right. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard any of the candidates say specifically. I, they have said, you know, we want. Uh, you know, the, the Kasim Reed voters, <laughs> they want their vote. Sure. I, I haven't heard them speak on the endorsement per se, um, but but I agree that it could come with with some skepticism from from voters who we saw how strong the anti-Reed 
vitriol is out there. Um, so it would definitely remain to be seen how, how much impact that would have. Um, but if there was a way that they could still get the votes, I'm sure they would be interested in it. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear from Fulton County's elections chief and talk about the week to come for you guys. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. Now, Next up, we've got Fulton County certified its vote, DeKalb County certified its vote. Um, outgoing elections chairman Richard Barron in Fulton County gave the election his stamp of approval. With regard to the election, I would say it was one of our, one of the smoothest elections we've had. And look, uh, Will, th- that was a big test for Fulton County elections officials because not only was it a major election, but it was also the first time a major election had occurred under Georgia's new uh, election laws. Uh, the very controversial Republican-backed elections laws that change the dynamic for absentee ballots, for ballot drop boxes, for registration deadlines, a whole host of changes throughout that, that lengthy bill. And, you know, we had, we had anecdotal evidence of, of, of issues. We had people who had problems voting in certain precincts that had to go to other precincts. We had a few um, in, in outside the city in, in one North Fulton precinct, actually at my old high school, North Springs High School, there was, there was issues um, with with equipment, but for the most part, you know, aside from a few scattered problems here and there, for the most part, things really did seem to go smoothly. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, uh, Ben Brash, he was doing some of the reporting on this, right? I mean, extensively uh, last week, and uh, even uh, as as far, uh, early as yesterday uh, on Monday, Ben, Mark, Nanisi, they both found out that, like in all of all the counties in Georgia that were doing elections last Tuesday, right? Yeah, the 112, they held mm-hmm. elections. They gave the turnout information to the Secretary of State's office, but several folks missed like that 10 p.m. deadline. So yeah, I mean, you know, people still got to be on, on task. They got to make sure, um, you know, that they could uh, avoid any violations of these reporting requirements. Otherwise, that will uh, force the uh, state election board to consider um, uh, state election investigations or, or sanctions, right? But um, and look, we got a runoff, right? So right now, um, Fulton, right? Their early voting is going to be from November seventeenth to November twenty eighth. That's like eight days, nine to six, right? So uh, and there are a lot of people who did not vote uh, in this general, and so I guess there's a hope, but not an expectation that more people will participate. And so that that remains to be seen. And that's going to be on uh, the candidates to try and really spur folks to get out and vote. And it, it goes till November 24th, not 28th. Just ah, 24th. 24th, yeah. Don't go and try early vote those last four days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think we're really going to have to wait and see 
have a statewide election like the primaries next year Mm -hmm. to really see the impact of this new law this was still a relatively low turnout election about a third of the people voted early so the day of i think it was about sixty thousand people which which uh and in the city of atlanta at least so i think we'll have to wait and see when it comes to how the absentee rules really impact an election and the provisional ballot rules really have an impact um for me at least i'm gonna have to wait and see until they pull off a state election to see what those impacts are yeah, and JD, I mean, look, we're still talking about low turnout, as you mentioned, um, and the runoff could be even lower. Probably will be even lower turnout um, as some of the supporters stay home. Um, others won't be mobilized. It happens over a Thanksgiving holiday. And this is the challenge that that Georgia politicians have in general with these runoff rules, because a lot of states obviously have a plurality rule. Whoever gets the most votes um, gets elected, or they have a ranked choice rule where you go ahead and rank, and so. Um, uh, you rank your number one and your number two candidates so that it's an, sort of an instant runoff. In this case in Georgia, and these date these laws date back decades to segregation area, era politics where white ruling lawmakers did not want a unifying black candidate to win, so they set up these rules. And in statewide elections, runoffs tend to favor the Republican voters up until up until January of, the, of, the, of this past year, really. Republicans had won every general election statewide runoff in state history that's changing and more people are getting i guess used to the idea of voting in in high profile runoffs but still this will be a giant challenge for these candidates to to get voters over the thanksgiving holiday to pay attention all over again absolutely it's going to be it's going to be a big big challenge to get them engaged i do think if there's anything that they can be optimistic about it's that less fewer voters will be overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. the choices they have on the ballot you know it's way fewer people there's just the mayor's race, city council president race, and then some council races um, in the city of Atlanta, at least. So not not nearly as many as the 14, which just from speaking to voters anecdotally, I know really turned a lot of people off, especially if they weren't, you know, the, the super voter types who were going to get out and vote anyway. So that'll make it easier, I think, for, for some people. And I think the candidates would also say that just focusing on policy and the issues that really matter to people in this runoff will get them engaged and get them excited to to make their choice. And, uh, Will, we can count our blessings. There's no more nine-week runoffs in state or federal races. Um, there's, that means there's no, you know, it might ruin your Thanksgiving, but it will not ruin your Christmas and New Year's like it did um, with this statewide Senate runoffs earlier this year. Now, what are you looking forward to covering over the next week as we get closer and closer to that Thanksgiving break? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, how the candidates get out their message I'm um, looking forward to seeing how they try to uh, differentiate themselves from one another. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, these are two very similar candidates uh, in many ways. And so folks who are going to be voting, they want to try and see how does more stand out from Dickens and, and vice versa. And that'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see who comes out for which candidate. So those are the things I'm looking forward to uh, seeing and, and writing about. And JD, where, where are you going to be over the next week? Out and about, following the candidates around. Uh, I'm excited to see kind of where the, the anybody but read vote goes. I mm-hmm. think that's going to be the one that decides it, as well as, I guess, the pro-read vote as well, since they're the ones who have to pick. But who they go to next, I'm excited to see on specific policy issues where they differentiate. I know we have a, a planning meeting coming up to decide how we're going to tackle future coverage. So I'm hoping that we can really dive into issues. So if someone really cares about transportation, they can find an AJC story that specifically shows the policy differences between the two of them. Because like Will said, they, they they agree on a lot of things and they're both kind of, you know, 
policy wonks who are, uh, you know, really into, you know, Fel- Felicia Moore's been on council for 20 years under Dickens as a Georgia Tech grad. So I think they have a lot of like similarity there in terms of they care a lot about policy. And so I'm excited to see kind of where those those differences lie and how they get out their message. I think we've seen just yesterday, both candidates got the question asked, how will you differentiate yourself? Felicia Moore pointed to, to her experience and her time serving on different boards, regional commissions around Atlanta, that sort of thing. Andre Dickens, he pointed to him being, you know, someone who can really get things done uh, and pointed to things, specific things that he's done in the past, you know, departments that he's created, that kind of thing. So excited to see kind of where those messages go, how how far they take, they take them and whether they resonate with voters. Yeah, there's a real chance for this runoff to be more pr- policy driven than personality driven, especially with Kasim Reed not in the race. And I'm looking forward to our first true high profile debate on this runoff, which comes at 7 p.m. Tuesday, November 16th. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is partnering with the Atlanta Press Club and Georgia Public Broadcasting for the Atlanta mayoral runoff debate. It's part of the Loudermilk Young debate series, and we'll hear from Andre Dickens and Felicia Moore, the head-to-head debate on key issues with the Atlanta Press Club. The debate will be moderated by Donna Lowry of GPB. The questions will come from Thomas Wheatley of Axios Atlanta and our very own J.D. Capilouto. It's what you need to know now about the candidates' positions on crime, affordable housing, Buckhead Cityhood, everything else you can imagine. So no pressure, Jay, JD, before the November 30th runoff. Thanks. I'm really excited. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. If anyone has any thing, you know, suggestions for questions, I, I'm all ears, especially from readers. If there's things they want to know from the candidates, so hit me up. Ask them about the taxes. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. <laughs> we're, we're always good for a good tax policy question. Mm-hmm. Well, we guys. Go. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. You can tune in to Race for City Hall coverage from JD and Will and the rest of the AJC team throughout the November 30th runoffs. And also tune into The Jolt, where we're going to have some city coverage and we'll refer to their coverage as well. Thanks, Greg. Woo. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. guys. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.